I'll put it this way. Like, if George is going to be the thing that everyone wants and expects them to be, Florida needs to be one of the toughest games that you play. But you need to feel like you can take Florida. Like, you need to feel like you're going to win this game right. every year. And I'm sweating this game a lot. Yeah. Uh, and, and not just because of just how bad things might get if they lose it. In the 97th all-time meeting between Georgia and Florida, the Dogs look to establish themselves as the SEC East favorite. A win against the Gators would be what all Georgia fans and college football prognosticators expected at the beginning of the season. A loss in Jacksonville would signal a definite pivot moment for this UGA team and could leave the fans, players, and coaching staff scrambling for answers as in what happened to a once-promising 2019 season. Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall, and you're listening to episode 204 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. Thanks to the bye week, it has been about 10 days since my co-host, Tony Waller, and Will Each, and myself, we sat down to record our usual thoughts on the Georgia Bulldogs football team. And it's good to be back. In this particular show, we break down what we think will happen on the field at 3.30 on Saturday and make our score predictions. But there's also a ton more news items going on in the college football world. There's, of course, the extension of the world's largest outdoor cocktail party for another few years to keep the game in Jacksonville. And then there's the NCAA image and likeness news that came out yesterday. We cover it all from the Georgia perspective and the national perspective and jump into some entertaining buy or sell moments. Georgia, Florida trivia. And Will introduces us all to his friend, Nick Fromm. Thanks for tuning us in once again. Hope you enjoy the show. Here's episode 204. You know, it's been, what, 10, 12 days since we've all podcasted yeah, live together. Yeah, you did Seth. I've done Mac. Mm-hmm. Hey, thanks for those. Yeah. yeah last no, week. I did warn you that I was doing Seth. I think you forgot. I, I did. I forgot. Because <laughs> when, I felt bad because I was like, hey, here it is. And you're like, oh, my God, I'm scrambling. I have like an hour. I can't do it. I was like, no, I did. I did tell you I was doing this. No, but you did a great job because uh, Will sent it to me and I had a, had a, a client meeting and appointment uh, later that afternoon. And I texted him back and I said, hey, man, if you can record the intro and outro, I can get this up. And he did. He came in and flying. I actually really like how you just kind of do it extemporaneously. I mean, I plan like and I write stuff. And I well, I it. apparently I had like 30 seconds to do it. So because like, you get to me like right now. And I was like, OK, well, I'm not going to sit and write anything. So uh, I remember. That. And I even got in a shout out to one of our sponsors. That's so, right. No, uh, you did admirably yes. on that. Oh, I did too. I just thought about it. Wait a minute. I think I did. I don't know if I did. Did you talk about it? Uh, Actually, I did. I talked about the Pine hosting us on Sunday. Yeah. Um, Just a thank you. We'll get into the Pine a little bit later. I have their new menu pulled up. Awesome. Uh, It's going to be. They're not still doing that vegan thing, are they? Fish fricassee or whatever it was, Will said. I don't know. I went to the bar where you were talking about the food. They're pan searing their sea bass. The hanging steak. I mean, before we get into football and basketball talk, we might as well talk about this. But what I wanted to do was I wanted to look at their menu and then read off like something that catches my eye and get your uh, opinion on it, Tony. Okay. And Will also. My opinion is we shouldn't start with ads. Yeah. That's my opinion. But Nevertheless, you, you all. Now, I discourage anyone to uh, to move forward because you need to hear the ad right now. Yeah, I know I'm fat. What? No, <laughs> no but if you get if you get the uh, pimento cheese crostini. No. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sure. Good. All right. And then for salad, I would go for the bib wedge salad. 
Mm. You big wedge salad guy? Really no. Salad no, if person. I'm eating a salad, I want someone else to cut it up for me. Yeah. Look, I get why people <laughs> like the wedge salad. <laughs> that's, that. that's very that's aesthetically pleasing, but I don't want to cut my own salad. <laughs> they give you a knife. Um, all right, so they have flatbreads too. I would probably look for the fire-roasted chicken. How's that sound? That sounds delicious, but it depends on what else. Are there steaks that hang? There are steaks that hang on the main course. There is a hanger steak, an eight-ounce CAB hanger steak. What is okay. that? It means cab. Cab. Cab hanger steak. So, and then maybe Char-broiled? the... Maybe? Well, everything's baked in that uh, big oven they yeah. got. I, I don't know what that is, fire but they have the pan-seared salmon and the rainbow trout that's fire-roasted. Now, the fire-roasted rainbow trout, if it's done well, that is something else. See, I wouldn't know because I don't eat seafood. I don't even know what that means. I know. I know. I've, it goes back to my eating habits again. But yeah, so the Pine has their new menu out, so you should go check it out. We had a good time there on a, that lovely Sunday afternoon. Um, it's funny. We were very moody on that day. I wonder if the mood has lifted a little bit. You know how, how after the South Carolina and then the, the rain and everything, we were just... I listened back to it, of course, as I'm editing it. I'm like, wow, we really are grumpy old men right now. I think Will hit on something that was very important, and it's something I hadn't thought about. it. The first half... Literally was the first time for us to come collectively together after what what was absolutely a stunning end to the South Carolina game. Rodrigo Blankenship missed a field goal, right? And it was the first time for us as collectively as a group of fans to be together. And express their feelings about what they saw. Express their feelings about what they saw. And there's a possibility we could have scored 21 points in the first half and there still would have been some booze uh, yeah, for no that reason. No question. Look at it this way. If Georgia scores 21 points in the first half and does not score any points in the second half, we're like, good win. We cool. sat on them. Cool. We, we imposed our will, whatever. I don't, you know, I, it's perfectly fine to be moody. I, I still feel some sort of way about it because, frankly, I'm, I'm a little afraid about what we'll see this weekend or the rest of the season. I have chosen to not dwell too much on the stuff I can't control. And I don't mean to sound like I'm in a 12-step program, and I'm not trying to be funny when I say that, but the reality is it's like the Georgia football team, and I've said this before, the Georgia football team that we saw before the kickoff at South Carolina is still the Georgia football team. We just have more data to indicate that some of the stuff we saw in earlier games is more real than simply you know, mid-game stagnation. Yeah, or ironing out the kinks. Ironing out the kinks. Which is, again, fine, because we have seen plenty of very good teams, including this Georgia team over the past couple of years, have those social doldrums and turn out to be fine. And this might be a nice segue into the Georgia-Florida game. The first thing that really strikes me about this is, like, if we had beaten South Carolina, right, even if we had won some sort of way, we would be easily, four turnovers, of course it was a close game, right? Um, we Chuck Kentucky in the muck. Yeah, of course we ran the ball a bunch. And we would not be worried about the way – we would not be worried the way, at least the way I feel. And there would not be the angst over play calling and Coley and, and what's wrong with Fromm and does he not trust his receivers? Is there something wrong with his arm? Does he have the yips? Whatever it is that, that the theories lead to out on the internet, we wouldn't have those. So it's hard for me to bifurcate my feelings about, okay, on one hand, we have a very talented – I mean, in a lot of ways, I don't think the Death Star has has not been weaponized. It just has been misfiring. So bifurcate the, we're still the Death Star with the, we're just a middle of the road SEC East team. That those two things, they can be congruent, but it's hard for me to reconcile. Well, if you're looking for a, a way to reconcile it, 
they play Florida this weekend. And in all honesty, like this is this is why this feels like such a big pivot game. And I would argue, uh, obviously, Florida Georgia is always going to be, be a big game. We've certainly seen. He went alphabetical again. It's fine. Sorry, it's sorry. It's fine. It's, it's the editor's. It's his editor's notation. It's true. It's true. Uh, if you know, if, careful listeners will note that all my sentences are in alphabetical order. Every word is alphabetically <laughs> arranged, uh, except I just ended a sentence with the word "arranged," so probably not. Anyway, the point is, is that um, Georgia Florida, Georgia Florida game is always a. Uh, it's always a pivot game. Uh, I would argue one of the biggest pivot games since we started doing this podcast was, the, of course, the Bowdy game. This feels, i put it this way, winning feels like a relief. Losing is a massive, massive pivot. Yep. And I think it changes. Like a winning, I don't think it, if Georgia wins this game, even if they win by like three touchdowns, I feel like the general consensus is that will tell us, hey, Georgia is back where they should be, or at least close to where they should be, but it will probably tell us more about Florida than it will about Georgia. Whereas Georgia losing this game will be a definitive, we now know something about Georgia game. I I don't necessarily disagree with that assessment. Like I, it sounds unfair when you put it, when you kind of put it the way I, I put it there, but honestly, like Florida, Florida is not there yet. Florida is not like they're not in year four now. Like they are still kind of cleaning out some stuff. They've had some success. They're building stuff, but they they don't have whatever the Florida version of a Death Star. They're not there yet. They're still kind of relatively early in the process. This is supposed to be when Georgia's dominating the SEC East. This would be their second SEC loss. It would be a game, and not just that. It wouldn't be a game where you would go, oh well, man, it was a noon game and and things just kind of got off to a weird start and they were overlooking him and and Fromm had an off game. And like you lose this game, you can't just pretend South Carolina was a fluke or things just going wrong. You, something's wrong. Like something is wrong if you lose this game. And to me, that is that this game means so much more if you lose it than if you win it. If that makes sense. Well, that's actually called dog greening. That um, <laughs> Blutarski has a theory that. When Georgia wins a big game, it's the game just not as big. If Georgia loses, yeah, yeah, right. well, Georgia can't win the big game. Yeah, right. And that's fair. Uh, yeah, I, but but I think it, I think that's generally true. I also think in this specific circumstance, oh, I think it is. I think there's accentuated. a lot. There is a lot riding on this game as it relates to the 2019 University of Georgia Bulldogs. First off, you lose this game, and the very best you're hoping for is the Citrus Bowl, um, which is absolutely not where anyone thought we would be at the beginning of the season. The second part about it is that if you lose this game, there is a there's a data point. I would say it's a full-blown reason to panic, but there's a data point to indicate that whatever Georgia is doing is not pacing the East in the way that those that made the move to get Kirby here hoped. And these things don't happen in a vacuum, right? I mean, there are a lot of reasons why things happen this way. Frankly, that's why you don't lose to South Carolina, because you lose control of that narrative yeah. if you lose to South Carolina. And we'll get to, into game analysis in a minute. There are a couple of things that, that do also lend credence to, the, to your notion that if Georgia loses to Florida, it's, things are going off the rail. Frankly, I don't think Florida's had that great a season. Mm-hmm. Um, barely beat a bad Miami team. Needed some luck to beat an Auburn team that's Okay, defensively, good defensively, not great at all. Offensively, needed some luck. And frankly, Kyle Trask coming in to beat Kentucky. All those things happen. Those are all facts. Um, And when you sit down and look at how the teams match up, I mean, 
Star ratings, however you want to look at it, across the board, one and two deep, maybe even three deep, outpaces Florida. So realistically, it almost becomes an indictment on coaching. And that doesn't mean... I don't think it's a question. That doesn't mean forever. It just means in this game. It means um, they haven't figured out this team. That, and it means they haven't figured out this team. But that is also part of being a very, very good high-level coach. You say, you have to figure your team out. And frankly, this is... I mean, we always talk about people having to answer questions. Uh, the current narrative about Kirby Smart as a football coach is that he's a killer recruiter. And then games, either something goes wrong or maybe he is too confident or too stubborn. I talked about this with Seth on that, on, on that show. The idea of resistant to change, man ball, all of that, so on. Uh, again, that, if you're not careful, that starts cascading. Because if, then what happens is you do one of two things. If they lose this game and don't win the SEC East this year. And honestly, let's not... I mean, I don't. I don't want. Um, uh, what's the the Overton window is the is the term for uh, a previously unacceptable thought starting to gain mainstream acceptance. Where it's like moving the goalposts would be the, maybe the best way to put it. The idea, if you just said at the beginning of this year, Georgia does not win the SEC East, and in fact loses two, maybe even more games in the SEC uh, to SEC East teams, we'd have thought, my God, Fromm got hurt. That's what we would have thought. We would have thought Fromm got hurt. At the very least. Yeah. Fromm got hurt. Something fell apart. Everything just collapsed on us. If it turns out that you're losing to South Carolina at home and Florida in this game, and everyone's actually generally healthy, and things are generally the way that you were kind of planning on them being— I know it's an indictment of the 2019 Georgia team, but I, I come on, man. It's hard to look at in year four and say that something is not up. And the problem is, is these things cascade because what happens now is the narrative settles in if they lose this game, settles in that like he's got all the talent, he can pile the talent, but he can't win it, that he can't pick a coordinator, he can't pick so on. So then he does one of two things: he either doubles down on stubbornness, and maybe he's right. Maybe man ball just works and he just start, he doubles down on that. Or he gets like pressured into making a move. I hinted at this with Seth, but um, uh, I'll put this gently. Um, there's a lot of uh, people that uh, are responsible for all of uh, for Kirby Smart's salary and for all of the nice new buildings that they have here that are pulling their hair out already. In ways that I would argue strike me as pretty unreasonable and, uh, and definitely uh, a, perhaps a cartoonish vision of what outsiders would, would put as a, what a Georgia fan is. But it's happening. Like There is a lot of money in this program and a lot of people, you've got a fan base, you've got so much money in this program, you've got so many people obsessed with it. We've talked about Georgia being weaponized, right? This is what we've always wanted, right? The idea that, like, like Rick couldn't do it, or he could get them to a certain level, but now they need... And you heard it when, when Kirby was putting together all the, all the great recruiting classes, and they made that storm in year two, and then almost one in year three. You're like, he's got it. There it is. We, we've talked many times about, like, wow, would Vince Dooley even get a chance today, the way the first three or four years went, to build what he did? If they lose this game... A, it puts them in danger of losing another game because then you're not winning the like you're almost certainly not winning the SEC East, and then you're in then you're in like motivation territory. Yeah. yeah, and this team loses three games, four games. 
Yeah. Look out is yeah. what I'm saying. Well, could it be the fact that the offense has struggled? We know that. That's a given. I mean, if you think about it, maybe it was just either misevaluation of talent coming in because you lose Hardman, you lose Godwin, you lose uh, Ridley, you lose Nauta, you lose Holyfield, five offensive starters or potential starters, and that was, and then Holloman, that's six. And that's just really hard to replace with unproven guys like uh, Tommy Bush and Matt Landers. And, I mean, thank God we got Cager to transfer in. And then Robertson didn't do much last year. And, quite frankly, he hadn't done much this year. And then we're lining up with tight ends every single play. I don't think we've run a play this year offensively without a tight end. And I think they have nine catches throughout the season. So could it be just a misevaluation of talent, even though they have been stockpiling these four or five stars and they have that by their name? It's just not materializing yet. I think there's some, uh, I mean, I, I, it's hard to say misevaluation of talent. I would actually say that it's more along the lines of misapplication of talent, if you want to look at it that way. The other thing is people are figuring this out, right? Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence is not having the, the light up here. You know why? There's a lot of damn film on him. <laughs> um, there's a lot of film on how to play against this Georgia team, especially when they settle down in their two tight end one running back, two split in sets. Right? Are you saying it's not as innovative as it could be? Well, I mean, I think that's uh, that's not unfair to say. But what I'm saying is, it's like people are. I mean, look, Will Muschamp figured it out. We have seen over the course of football seasons of Kirby Smart slowly peeling back the onion and, and adding more and more and more. I think we'll find out. Uh, we'll find out Saturday. It's funny we've kept it's expecting that time. Yeah, right? but well, that's the thing is that like we spent like honestly, I think it's a good point though because we spent a lot of time being like, okay, well, they're holding back, they're holding back, they're holding right. back, they're holding back. What if they're not? What and, if they're not holding back at all? And this is who they are, and this is who they are moving forward. If that's the case, and listen, this is another thing too. You know, this is what happens when you promote with from within, which is to say you don't and not, this is not to be an indictment of Coley or even Kirby Smart by by promoting him. But when you promote from within and you are the most powerful figure at the program and everyone is following you, the person that you promote who did not come in from outside is not brought in because there are new ideas that are meant to shake things up is obviously going to. Do what Listen you want to you first. Yeah. It's not just an echo chamber. It's all your ideas. Yeah, exactly. And like, and he, and he may have a wrinkle on what they do, but the fact is, Coley is the offensive coordinator of this team because he knows what Kirby Smart likes. And I think Kirby was probably not. I don't think we, we've certainly talked about uh, uh, with Cheney leaving that George didn't fight too hard to keep him. But I doubt they were expecting him to leave. And to me, that the, that's what the move, the Coley move was. And I don't, again, I do not mean this necessarily as just an indictment of Coley. But the fact is, let's think about the chain of events here. Cheney leaves, Georgia, or says he's going to leave, and Georgia's like, we're not going to, fine, go. Because I've got this guy here that I think can do the job fine. But this guy is within the system that Kirby Smart is absolutely justified in being the top dog around here and he's he's the one setting the setting the course and the pace for everybody else coley is obviously even if coley had this idea like i'm running cliff kingsbury that's what i want to do even if he wants to do that he's not going to because that's not how kirby smart likes to win football games this is the result of that in that i would argue particularly in the kentucky game which again the ball was wet but it's funny because even we've seen a lot of wet football games since then. Yeah, and for the record, even Fromm said he really didn't feel truly uncomfortable with the with the ball until later in the first half. Like it got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse as the game went along. The the booing on those first three plays, first three series in the Kentucky game felt not just we've seen this stuff before. It felt like people. It felt like they were calling the game in a defensive crouch 
or a defiant stance rather than just like calling a football game. And that, and to me, that's the worry here. And that's why you don't want them to overcompensate and be like, okay, we're being crazy, but you also don't want them to just be sticking in the mud on that. The last two games have felt like games were called by people that were in, within their own head uh, too much. And that's the concern. But that said, listen, let's not forget, I don't know if this makes it worse or makes it better, since Georgia lost that game, um, things have actually set up pretty well for them if they want to get back in the national championship race, yeah. Yeah. which, again, is the point of all of this. Even I can admit that the days where like going to the Sugar Bowl and playing Texas now feel not exciting. And so everything's set for them. O- that Oklahoma loss was, big. was huge, was absolutely huge. Uh, the Illinois-Wisconsin loss ultimately didn't, didn't mean that much. But, you know, maybe it, it, does, it looks more and more like... There's not going to be four undefeated teams uh, from different conferences coming in. There's gonna, it looks like right now you're going to have Clemson, probably because yeah, the they, conference they play is so nobody. bad. It's a good thing, by the way, because they probably would uh, they would, probably would have lost, and they still can. Frankly, I think there there are teams they would they could play that if they lost to, it wouldn't be probably as big an upset. As I mean, they, South Carolina might give them a ball game. Yeah, I mean, I mean, well, I mean, more to the point, maybe more to the point, like. There is not. There are teams on Clemson's schedule that if they beat them, it would be not as big of an upset as South Carolina winning at Georgia sure. or Illinois beating Wisconsin, for example. Like the way Clemson's playing right now is the point. More to the point, Clemson's going to be undefeated, theoretically, probably uh, a SEC team, uh, Alabama or LSU, whoever wins that game is going to we'll be undefeated. undefeated yeah. And Ohio State's going to be undefeated. Outside of that, Baylor. Yeah. Yeah, if, ba- if yeah. Baylor goes undefeated, Minnesota, Penn State, yeah. they're all out there. Yeah, but like one of them's going to play Ohio State. Yeah, like like there's no no one's coming out of no, Penn State's got to play Ohio State yeah. at least once in the regular season. Exactly. So yeah. I mean, theoretically, though, Baylor could do it. Baylor could do it. And if Baylor does it, okay, fine, they did it. Good for yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, but if Baylor does that, yes, that that's yeah, something. Give, to- give Tom Herman. They basically have to beat Oklahoma twice, right, to yeah. do that. And so one other thing that I was thinking about is that. We're still dealing with a fourth-year head coach, right? <laughs> um, like Clemsoning was a Clemsoning was a thing until Davis when he's seventh year as head coach, right? We forget they got blown out seventy to three or to something stupid to West Virginia yeah. in, a, in in one of the, in one of the New York New York New Year's Six Bowls, right? Orange Bowl. It was Orange Bowl, yeah, right. They got housed. Frankly, Nick Saban looked this way as a young coach. People forget he came to Alabama. He was in his tenth year as a head coach, including a year in the NFL. Um, Jimbo Fisher might be the outlier, and that's at least still coaching. Mac Brown was on his twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth year as a head coach. The one thing that I've said since day one with Kirby that has concerned me, continues to concern me, is that he has no former head coaches on his staff. He has no one that can say this is the shit you're not even thinking about. Yeah, right. and. That comes out in a couple of very important ways. One, game planning. Two, when your game plan's not working, what should you do? Three, end of game situations. Tell me where the three problems that you <laughs> If you were to point out something, what were the three things yeah. you would point out right now? Um, that Again, I do agree that we could be talking on Sunday and looking back with nostalgia about how concerned we were. We could be talking Sunday about, boys, this is a whole different world. Yeah. Um, the cool part, and, and, and this can lead us into analysis unless you got something else, Scott, is that That's later. Um, you know, F- F- Florida is they're an exciting football team. I would say Kyle Trask is a poor man's Jake Fromm. And they don't have the playmakers that Georgia has. 
right? Yeah, yeah okay, if you ever, ever it, I actually made some comment to that effect, and somebody's like, yeah, but what about South Carolina? I can't answer the one question. I will tell you that the, and this is something I will always, back, always fall back on, is that South Carolina was expected to win that game 8% of the time. They were just, it just was. Those are facts. Those are stats. Florida was expected to beat South Carolina 83% of the time. So, yeah, Florida played better than South Carolina in their game. But Georgia played 10% better than Florida just lost. Now, does it suck that we lost? Of course it does. Did we contribute directly to the losing because of play calling and a number of things? Of course we did. But the reality is, is like when you look at Georgia and Florida, the teams aren't that different, which makes me go back to the Jimmys and Joes. However, like... I love the analytics on this, and that absolutely makes sense. But what was it you say? It was eight percent. What was that? What was the number that the South Carolina? South Carolina's win percent on, um, according to SP yeah. Plus, was eight percent. Eight percent. So realize, of course, why did they win? Then they won because of poor decisions by the Georgia coaching staff. And theoretically, other and, things and four crappy turnovers. Four crappy turnovers, yeah. which, which again were a result of. Listen, from through the ball, I think more than. They were being very uninventive with the run game, and therefore they were able to. I'll give I'll give two of them. Yeah, fair. Right. More to the point is that eight percent totally counts, but the reason they lost that game in large part were because of of uh, if a coaching staff has a ninety two percent chance of winning a game when you look at all the stats, oh, yeah. and they don't. Yeah, that didn't. Like, it's partly something that came from the sky. But it's also partly your own mistakes. Wisconsin would say the same thing in that Illinois game, for crying out loud. Yeah, they that, made, that was a 23% Illinois Yeah, win. they yeah. made like big, dumb mistakes that gave Illinois an opportunity to stay in the game. That's not something that was done by math or done by gods. That was done by the coaches. And to me, that's the worry. There's no question that Georgia has more talent than Florida does. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, it's not even close. It's closer than, say, when they played probably South Carolina. But certainly their talent is so much more there. But that, that's that's not what I'm worried about right now. Is you think the theory of possibly the struggle with the run game has to do with maybe I heard someone float this and I, I don't remember who it was weeks ago that the Georgia offense is tipping their pitches, kind of like how that uh, Tampa Bay Rays pitcher was tipping his pitch in the playoffs. I mean, there's a fair amount of analytics out there on the internet where Georgia has tendencies where yeah. they where you talked about the two tight ends. Georgia has a tendency to run. A certain direction based on where the line, the the running backs lined up, and based on where the not just where the tight ends are set, but which tight ends are in the game, uh, and which which wide receivers are in the game. I mean, South Carolina's uh, line, uh, Ken Law. I mean, it was like he had the playbook. Well, Ken, yeah, well, Ken Law, <laughs> well, Ken Law is that kind of player. Um, yeah, Ken Law is that kind of player. So I want to be careful not to you know stick my hands down my pants and stare at the TV and go like this is fine. <laughs> Uh, but you know, for the record, he's doing that. I am doing that. But if look, if if we you know, random bozos with internet connections are figuring this out, the paid army of analytical analytic guys in Buttsmere Hall have figured this out too. And that is something that uh, I want us to make sure that we understand. That I do agree that there is some level of. By God, this works. I know it works. I've seen it work. I believe in this, and I'm going to do it. But I still believe he, he can be convinced otherwise. Otherwise, those people wouldn't be there. Otherwise, those people wouldn't be there. Why are you paying right, them? Right, right. And not just why are you paying them. He's got to understand at some point that, you know, I'm not saying it won't be this year. It probably won't be next year. 
his job will be on the line. I mean, he's been in this business long enough to understand. I mean, like people are mad now, man. People right, are already right, mad. Right. I think unjustified. I think too mad. Agreed. They are Agreed. too mad, but they are mad. And I don't think we need to look very far back uh, in Georgia history to see what happens when people get too mad. Yeah. I did see uh, one quote from Kirby's press conference this week. He was quoted saying they're always evolving in regards to that when the question was asked if they look at film on other teams and what's working for them. So perhaps over the past couple of weeks, maybe they have added a little wrinkle because if he self-admitted that in the press conference that they're, yeah, we're looking at what's working with other teams. Well, I mean, that's what coaches do. I mean, they, they grind on, on the film study. So I think that's encouraging just to hear because you don't hear much candor from him at press conferences. Um, what if Florida is on their own 2017 revenge tour <laughs> with the backup quarterback getting to play after the starter was hurt? <laughs> and that that's what we're, we're going up against. I don't know. But uh, as you mentioned that um, Trask is kind of the poor man's Jake Fromm, their stats are eerily similar. Yeah, right now, Jake Fromm is the poor man's Jake Fromm, by the way. He's been the poor man's Jake Fromm <laughs> for a couple of weeks. For uh, yardage purposes, I think Fromm has Trask by about, like, I can't do the math very well, but it's like 17 yards. Completion percentage, Fromm's at 71%. Trask is at 67 Trask has thrown more touchdowns and uh, actually more interceptions than Jake Fromm, so that's kind of uh, encouraging. If you come down to the total offense, Georgia has a distinct advantage. Uh, They're averaging 471 yards a game. Florida's averaging 419 yards a game, uh, which ranks 21st and 52nd. You could tear apart all of these statistics, but really when you look at the statistics, and that's what we've been kind of going with, like the S&P and then the win percentage and everything, I mean, what y'all are saying is backed up by uh, the numbers that they put in the books. And there are a couple of key points when you look at success rate, first, second, third, fourth down. I hope we don't get to me fourth down plays. We'll talk about that in a second. But particularly for second, third down, Georgia's defense is pacing Florida's offense. And Georgia's offense is pacing Florida's defense. Um, In particular, and this is an interesting thing to think about considering our offense the past two weeks, Florida's success rate on pass defense on first down is really bad, like bottom quartile. Look, that Georgia's had success throwing earlier in the season on first down. I mean, I'm not... Maybe I'm too damaged to believe that Georgia will do that a lot, but <laughs> there, there are places to exploit with Georgia. Uh, they do get uh, Grinard and Zuniga back, uh, the two Yeah, ends. that's big for them. That's, it's huge for them. Zuniga's been kind of banged up ever since the Kentucky game. Yeah, and both of them have said they're like— And he's a Georgia not, kid. Not 100% back, but, you know, uh, Brenton Cox is on the team. We keep forgetting that, but he's not, he's not playing, obviously, but— you know, defensively, Florida is really stout. They they play solid defense. The good news is is where they don't play solid defense is against runs, especially outside zones. Um, <laughs> again, places to exploit. Uh, and when you look at what the, the perfect Georgia game plan to me would be doing— The Robert uh, Edwards toss sweep of 1997? Well, I'll take that. <laughs> um, the the Not Terrence Edwards dropping the ball. Why would you go there? I don't know, because I'm hurt. I'm a broken person. Look, I don't think there's any doubt Georgia wants to run the football. That is not earth-shattering, and it's not provocative. But it's not even a bad idea. It's not even a bad <laughs> idea for a change. <laughs> yeah, right. I think that's the thing. I did see, did, I don't know if y'all saw it, um, Lawrence Cager sent out a tweet. He has not tweeted in weeks, but he, he put a tweet out uh, last night. It was, uh, it was a gif. 
of The Undertaker rising out of his coffin. And I, mean, look, I was all about that one. Getting Karis Jackson back is huge. Frankly, if Cager could play this game, it would be great. I'd be really surprised. He like broke a shoulder and some ribs. It's and, pretty like, early. He bruised a kidney and yeah. I don't know, he strained his epiglottis. Kirby was quoted saying that they are practicing, him and Campbell, Tyson yeah. Campbell, on yeah. uh, for our, our DB. You know, as Coach Speak says, and I agree, you know, it depends on how they practice this week. I think Campbell plays. If I had to bet, Campbell plays, Cager doesn't. But I would be surprised if Cager if yeah. Cager played. I mean, he separated his shoulder and tore some ribs. Or I'd love to see the, shoulder the Pickens ribs. game I keep waiting for. I keep waiting for the Pickens game to happen. And just, I, this could be it. If, I mean, look, if there's a game to do it, this is a game. Yeah. I mean, they. I mean, you have to think if Pickens is in your spot. Now, I mean, the, you know, the, you get back, get, we're getting back to kind of some play calling and personnel. So what would you change? You know what I would change? I might have Nick Fromm play good again. Like, we're really talking about all of this. but Nick like, Fromm? Jake from oh did I, I was like Nick his brother from? did I say Nick from <laughs> yeah, I was thinking I mean, of Nick Chubb all the dead spin then... crap happened today it's been a long day I'm sorry <laughs> it, um, it has been Jake from Jake from sorry uh, that's Will. him Will yeah stick to sports yeah seriously Whew, I'm sorry I did that uh, Jake from the quarterback for Georgia the team that we talk about on this podcast twice a week uh, they need him to be good again and and whatever the Kentucky game you can understand but like listen we saw with LSU last year he is capable of bad. Like this is the first time we've seen him have two bad games in a row, right? I think so. It, it's hard for me to call the Kentucky game bad because it, the play calling, right? Yeah, yeah. The South Carolina game, one hundred percent. And it's weird how his eccentricities, which we always kind of loved. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, we've always kind of loved the ball flip and all the little things he does. I've always found those really kind of charming yeah. and exciting and fun. But when he's struggling, they start to look like Mackie Sasser-esque kind of weird <laughs> things, right? It is almost a Pruder film level breakdown with people talking about the ball flip. This yeah. I think it was Rod Gilmore who did the call on uh, for Kentucky talking about the ball flip because I was watching it because I was at home. Remember, I didn't go to that game. It showed it on the replay, and he was breaking it down, and he said that the coaches were – let me get this right. He said something to the fact like, okay, I guess it's fine for me to talk about this – now that he's been doing it because the coaches were almost like, yeah, talk about it because we can't get through to him. It's a bad habit. Yeah. I, but remember when, you know, for the record, when he did the national championship game, he flew the everybody, ball all the time. And, yeah, and it was awesome. It was cool. Like people found it cool. People that were just seeing him for the first time, they were like, well, look at this badass freshman, true freshman quarterback who like is so confident in the biggest game in the world in front of a theoretical president of all people. Like big, 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 big Mark freaking Emmert was game. There? Yeah, no, no, and um, big game, and he's flipping the ball around like it's nothing. Like it was, people love that about him. But when you're struggling, it becomes a tick, and it becomes yeah. like a problem, and. Yeah, and it's it's weird. It's weird. It's uh, listen. We all. I think I've gone through several journeys with Nick. I mean Jake from uh, during all of my time here. Uh, Is that what you call place. him when y'all are together? Yeah, I call him Nick. <laughs> it's just what we do. It's special. When we have this time. I really can't believe I. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Nick. I didn't mean to tell him. Just. Um, but y'all anyway, are just cuddle friends now. The point is, just <laughs> start winning. Is uh, the point is, is that like. He needs to be Jake Fromm again. And particularly, for what's worth, what's different about this year when it comes to Jake Fromm? 
the pressures of potentially NFL and no one pushing him. No one pushing him is a huge deal. And the guy that was pushing him that he it's defeated like might win the season. Heisman Trophy. Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah. like that, uh, that, that's not something that you can't be – That I, I know that he, he just likes to go fishing and hunting and doesn't think about those things. I guarantee you he has thought about those things. One of the things – and this is something that just totally occurred to me. I wonder if teams are key enough – the ball flipping thing, right? If there's something there that he has a tendency, if he spins the ball once, he's going to the sideline. Spins the ball twice, he's going. Oh, to the that's ball. a lot of that's a lot of peering in the backfield over tall, tall men. Yeah, but they watch on film. Yeah, that's true. On film? I mean, I'm just I look. I don't know. I'm trying to. That well, seems, you know, you know the the. I thing mean, you, I'm not intimate with him like Will. The but. thing you haven't seen, and it's because it, it can't work, <laughs> is the the play act. The play action hasn't been working, and you haven't really seen it. We haven't run the play action enough. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. We've only run the play action like 13% of the time. That was like a hallmark of the 2017 and even 2018 team. Yeah, we need to run more play action. Look, if you ask me what we should do more, we should run more play action. How would you script the first series on Saturday afternoon at 3.30 and Georgia gets the ball first? Um, If Tony were offensive coordinator. I mean, my first play would be a play action sideline pass because I know I know Jake can make that play. But you run it to whichever side is not – because they're going to run too high. You have to think that they are probably going to put, let's see, they run a base. Four. So they're going to have one, two, three, four, five, six guys in the box. They'll have a middle linebacker, probably spine Swift or who, you know, whomever is out there. So that's your seventh. We will probably run two tight ends. I would bleed one tight end up underneath. I'd run a crossing route with that, uh, with Pickens, say, to the edge. You can get a one-on-one matchup, maybe even get a rub route out of it. Get 15, 20 yards out of the first shot. Do play action because you get those safeties biting up. And then, the, you know, that allows you on the next play, if you get a first down, to – I mean, literally the entire playbook is open. You can go over the top. Even if you go over the top there, so you're on the 40-yard line. I feel good about trying to still get 10 yards from the 40-yard line. I mean, that's just what I would do. And then balance it out with uh, runs the edge with Swift or Harrion, or do you? Well, I mean, I, mean, I think you know, look. I think you, you got to admit they're probably going to be a little gun shy to the proverbial fan. This is what you don't want to see them lock up, right? Right, right. right. Get, to, to to just but, do that that dive up the middle, right? But getting back to what. If I'm Florida, I am either concentrating fully on a run up the middle in the first play, or I'm like, oh, they wouldn't dare. <laughs> like, they wouldn't dare. But that, get, but that gets back to the Jake Fromm thing, right? If, if I'm Coley or Smart, I tell Fromm, okay, we got two plays. One is a run up the middle. One is that play. Yeah. You get to call it. This is in your hands. And I wonder if the transition to Coley, maybe there is something there with Jake not having as much freedom, or maybe Jake has too much freedom. I don't and know. And for what it's worth, Fromm was awesome the first four or five games this year. Like, yeah, I think he that, was. Like, let's not lose that. And that, and that gets back to right. we're the same team we were at 1159 right, on right. that Saturday morning before we lost to South Carolina. Um, Just so much going on. Like, honestly. stuff going it, down. I mean, whatever. Like, and again, it's, I'll put it this way. Like, if George is going to be the thing that everyone wants and expects them to be, Florida needs to be one of the toughest games that you play. But you need to feel like you can take Florida. Like, you need to feel like you're going to win this game right. every year. And I'm sweating this game a lot. Yeah. Uh, and, and not just because of just how bad things might get if they lose it. 
Yeah, I'm sweating this game because Florida is a very good defensive football team, yeah. right? And we have played a couple of very good defensive football teams. We played one football team that played better defensively against us than they should have. Right, right, right. Part of that is we gave up four turnovers <laughs> and missed some field goals and bungled the end of half situation, all of which led to a cumulative effect of playing from behind with three minutes left in the football game, right? The thing that I keep coming back to is that and we'll do predictions in a minute, but when I sit down and think about this football game, um, I think Kirby Smart and, and James Coley, for that matter, have an idea of how they think or want this football game to go. And frankly, I don't think that's going to make a lot of Georgia fans happy. Um, <laughs> but they can still win that way. <laughs> What's Kirby's record against Dan Mullen? Isn't it you know, like 94 and 1 or 95% something? 95% almost. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, either as a coordinator yeah. or as a head coach. Also, everybody drink. Seth Emerson wrote a great piece this week about all the success they've had against Grantham. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he had a great piece about how, like, like generally speaking, the defense is pretty good, except for when they play Georgia. We have gone, what, an hour and 42 minutes into this without talking about third and Grantham? Well, if you think about it, last year, I think all of their touchdowns were scored on third down, even third and long. Well, that's the thing about it is we're going to get some emotional blitzes. So, (laughs) um Let's see. Smart versus Mullen. This is an emotional podcast. Like things are like feel fraught. It's well, just this is big business here. Because you is, brought up Nick. Well, it's a good thing you brought this up. I'm sorry, today. Nick. I told. I know. I said I wouldn't say on the podcast. It's just all the dead spin stuff happened today. I'm in an emotional place today. Our friend Seth Emerson wrote an article on this very thing. Well, that's what we'll just talk about. No, Mullen versus Smart. Oh, Mullen versus Smart. Yeah. You should subscribe, but suffice it to say, I do subscribe. It's very good. I'm not talking about you. Oh. I'm talking about you, dear reader. Let's see. Has the gap closed? Seth is undecided. Seven um, <laughs> zero against him at Mississippi State. Yeah, no, he's not an O against him. It's like Saban versus his uh, assistants. Yeah, something like that. So. I mean, at some point, we also have to talk about the special teams. Look, I, I love Rodrigo. I hope he keeps kicking the ball in the zone. I'm tired of fair catching punts. I'm okay fair catching kickoffs because it's a smart play. I'm tired of fair catching punts. <laughs> and we've got to cover punts and kickoffs better, especially if we're not going to kick the ball out. Like the, the kickoff against Kentucky, I mean, that was almost the only score they got, right? They returned the ball out to the 45-yard line. And, and part of that, of course, is when you only have to cover seven kicks a season – but our punt coverage hasn't been great when people return. I'm surprised people fair catch punts against us. If you want an indication, look, if you don't believe Georgia, Kirby Smart's philosophy is to be super conservative, only look at the punt returns. But just look at the punt returns. Yeah. We don't. We, I well, mean, it's like it's, ever it's since all, the Simmons uh, yeah. muff punt against, against Notre, Notre Dame, Dame. Yep. you know, he, he put uh, – I mean, even before that, we, we didn't return a whole Who's lot. Who's returning punts? Um, probably Blaylock. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, Mookie Blaylock's son. Yeah, but – Did you know that? Yeah. Okay. So um, – You mean Pearl Jam's son. What? Mookie Blaylock used to be the name of Pearl Jam. Do you guys know that? No, I didn't no. know that. Yeah, Pearl Jam's name used to be Mookie Blaylock. Who, really? Yeah, who, what is Pearl Jam? That's a, that's a rock band that's very successful. But uh, and anyway, I, know, so, I know who Pearl Jam. I'm, they I'm, literally used I'm to be Mookie to Blaylock. You, the Was no, there a the copyright infringement? I guess or a I think they just name and likeness realized. issue. I'm going to guess they're more popular now that they're known as Pearl Jam than they would have as Mookie Blaylock. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Did Mookie, Mookie Blaylock get paid in college? Oh, I assume he did. I'm so. 
Do you want to get into that? Where do you go to? Do you want to get into the name and likeness? I I mean, you're an attorney. You you were able to probably read that NCAA letter. Be cool. People like me. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I guess we can get in briefly. Uh, I I think the NCAA got the headlines that they wanted, but there's no change in policy at all. No. They literally threw the ball out of bounds. That's all they did. (laughs) That's so right. That's all they did. They threw the ball out of bounds. (laughs) Like, oh, look at that nice play he just made. Instead of taking the sack, he threw the ball out of bounds. That's exactly right. That's what they did. That's exactly right. Look, the NCAA is going to play the string out as long as they can, hoping they... Hoping, hoping against all hope that they don't have to. Look, they represent the colleges. The colleges, I think, probably misguided, think they're going to lose a bunch of money here. I don't think they will. Uh, now, having said that, they, they probably will lose some money, but I don't think they're going to lose a lot of money. They don't like that they will lose control over the money going to the football players, to the basketball players. They don't like that. I understand why they don't like that. I don't think excoriating the NCAA for behaving exactly the way you know they're going to behave is the right approach. But look, the president of the University of Georgia was on the special commission. They took exactly the step they needed to take today. The NCAA did. They left the door open for figuring out something down the road. They probably think in some way, shape, form, or fashion. They staved off some state legislatures from making decisions uh, over the next six to 12 months. Um, and maybe they did. Uh, but realistically, they're all reacting to until Florida gets serious about passing, Georgia gets serious about passing, Alabama gets serious about passing, Louisiana gets, or Texas gets serious about passing to California's law. And until they actually come forward and put, like, common sense, figuring out a way to make it work, it's just, it's just lip service. So it, there's not going to be any NCAA 2021 video game. That's really hard. Maybe to 2022, 2022. Yeah, 2023. But yeah, that, that was kind of one of the hashtags that was trending today. It was right. the NCAA 2021. 20, you know, my personal opinion, and I am not an attorney. My dad's an attorney. I know attorneys. He hasn't called. Is he okay? I talked to him earlier today <laughs> and I gave him uh, the shout out that we are recording. He was like, I won't call. You know, Aww. he thinks he's inter- interrupting us. But, um, but my, my take on this is like, you know, I have middle aged school boys and a, a middle girl, school age boys. Middle. Because it made it sound like your your boys are thirty nine years old. <laughs> okay, middle age, middle school age. I'm sorry, forty nine. <laughs> and my daughter is in um, elementary school, and they're all talented at their own individual sports. Uh, my daughter with gymnastics, and my one son with golf, and one with baseball. And the way I look at it is, just as a father, one day if my son's or daughter gets a college scholarship, and somebody. They wanted to make a YouTube channel and monetize it and be able to sell their likeness on it. I would absolutely want them to be able to do that because guess what? The kid that sits next to him in chemistry class that isn't an NCAA athlete can absolutely do that. Yep, can do that. I'm sure there's some people out there that are going to be kind of the, no, no, let's keep it traditional. But put yourself in, like, you're probably a father or a mom or maybe you know one. Put yourself in their shoes if you are the father of that NCAA athlete. To being able to, sure, they have a scholarship. That's awesome. They get to play a sport. But if they have that opportunity to capitalize, and maybe this is the height of their attention that they could get, maybe they're not going to turn pro one day. If they could bank another twenty-five grand or thirty grand under the right rules, I don't see a problem with that. Eventually, preach. preach. Yeah. The the interesting thing about it is that all the arguments against are rooted in one of two things, which is the control of student athletes or 
ruining the sport. Yeah. I don't really have anything to say to that. I mean, you don't. I mean, people, if you're a baseball fan, you like professional baseball. If you're a football fan, I mean, look, I'm not the biggest NFL fan, but there are plenty of people who are. I mean, the fact that people get paid in football. I mean, Ben Jones had the richest man in professional football touching his ass for three years (laughs) on a rookie contract. You think Ben Jones didn't try his hardest to make sure that Tom Brady was protected just because, you know, he made made $40 million over the course of his contract and Ben Jones made... Whatever it was he made on a rookie contract, this is ridiculous. You know, I think that uh, Mark Richt, our friend Mark Richt, mm-hmm. who's had, doing well by the way, he's doing well. He is doing well. He is course good, from Africa trip. Yeah. He uh, he had a tweet. But he's still with us. <laughs> he had a very insightful tweet, um, and I think that to those people that might be against this, if you listen to Mark Richt's wisdom in 280 characters or less, you might change your tune just with this. And he says, "I predict a lot of high-level athletes will stay in college if there are no limits to what they can make." As many will be the most marketable in their careers during college. Even the highest level athletes may stay if they enjoy the college life and the endorsements that go with it. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You That radical leftist Mark Richt, exactly. by the way. Yeah. yeah, he's almost a Marxist. Um, so I think it's interesting. You you were saying earlier you have Norlander, uh, the mm. special uh, Grierson Leach podcast, yes. as you normally have him the on. The great college basketball writer, Matt Norlander. Matt, yeah, Norlander's awesome. He does, uh, if you don't... If we you do like talk about Georgia for 10 minutes. As a really? Of Georgia basketball. Yeah. So if you do, look, if you like college basketball, you should watch, uh, you should listen to uh, college basketball all, all season long, all year long, I mean. So Norlander's point, which actually I've come around to, is that this will actually help both mid-majors and high-major basketball teams Keep players in college. Think about every year. It's like, well, th- this guy's going and this guy's going. They don't even get drafted. Mm-hmm. Well, if you have if you have a place where you're going to be the star on the team, you know you're going to make a hundred thousand dollars next year. Maybe you do stick around versus the possibility of having to go play in basketball in Israel. And to to bring this back towards football, think if we had Riley Ridley and Isaac Nauta, two guys that are barely playing. They got drafted in the late rounds. Think if they were making a a decent amount to where they were going to say, you know what, we're going to stay our senior year. Think about how much they could help the Georgia football. If you had Nicole Hardeman, think about Elijah Holofield. I'm going to say, think about how much money Elijah Holofield would make. Right? Just on his name alone. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely true, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mean, look, Elijah Holofield probably... Maybe he doesn't. He's not sure he does, but but his name alone means that he could... I mean, he'd make bank, right? And he would probably be... I think he and Swift and Harry would still be starting. I mean, he still would still be getting touches. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, the interesting thing about it is that every time I see people like, well, I mean, like some oh God, Senator Richard Burr, God, my dumb ass, um, in North Carolina, it's like, tax. like, he's like, oh, well, if we're going to do that, maybe we should just tax their scholarships. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and look, it's a look, smart look, play, look, Senator. No, again, get, get, very again, good thinking. N- noted super liberal, Clem, uh, Clem <laughs> right. tweets, right. uh, who's our friend. He's, by the way, he's not super liberal. Yeah. Uh, was like, he is way too tall to be too liberal. Senator, Senator, I voted for you, and this is the dumbest idea I've ever heard, <laughs> something like that. Because he's that like, was universally, like, that, I have to say, I know Scott loves it when there's bipartisanship and everyone's all in the same. Side I do. that is they one of the were most, all on the same that was side. one of the most bipartisanly hated ideas I've ever seen. Uh, somebody take his phone away from him, and by his phone I mean his flip phone, and by his flip phone I mean his senatorial ship. Stafford, yeah, <laughs> also that. Um, God, it's just ugh, 
the Venn diagram between people who think that it's way. It's good. And, and I will say, to me, you know, I, I joked about the Overton window before. For those who don't know what the Overton window is, it is the idea. I, I Googled it. Yeah, the, the idea that an idea that was generally thought to be outside the realms of normal discourse it starts to become, even if people still disagree with it, becomes something that you can actually talk about. And one of the best examples of this is probably gay marriage. Oh, I thought you meant cat juggling. Yeah, no, no not that. But like 15 years ago, the idea of gay marriage would have like, there's obviously that's not happening any time in our lifetimes. And then all of a sudden people started talking about it. And then and the, the, the Overton window became the, hmm, well, now it actually means something to take a stance against gay marriage. And then next thing you know, all the, like, when the Overton window is opening, it, it becomes something that's no longer outside the realms of discourse. Now everyone has to take a stance on it, and that's usually what gets the ball rolling down oh, to, to where it actually becomes a discussion. To me, this is what this has done now. Ten years ago, the idea of, oh, we'll just let these guys go make some money off their likenesses would have been intolerable. It would have been insane. It would have been like weed being legalized. Like, like, like there's a lot of things that 10 years ago would have thought, no one would have thought reasonably at all would be a thing. Now it's absolutely a thing. And now the idea, Scott, to me, I, I actually thought the case that you just made for that, particularly as a father, was like a great, like a terrific case for that idea. And I, are you making that case 10 years ago? No, no. Yeah. No way. Yeah. No way. But, you know, to your Overton, I'd never heard that before. That's yeah. fascinating. But I would also say that the whole NBA China thing, that was bipartisan. I mean, with people disagreeing yeah, that, that, yeah, with that. Yeah, that was bipartisan. Yeah. But that's just because the NBA was being unusually... Sure. Unu- well, for what it's worth, though, I mean... Craven? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Billionaires and dipshits. No, I, I would say that the, 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 the NBA's argument I thought was pretty fair, which was, yeah, we're... To- like, this is the unspoken argument. <laughs> we're being craven dipshits. Why are you giving us so much crap about this? Literally look at every single other corporation in this country. Why are you asking us to take a big stance on this? Go yell at Apple or Nike or McDonald's or literally anywhere. I'm glad you brought that up because that is absolutely how – that's why you engage PR firm because they're the ones able to go make those calls. Right? You're like, well, we don't know why Apple and Microsoft and Sony and McDonald's suddenly have these questions. Probably not Sony, yeah. but my, my, <laughs> no, not Sony. Well, also, I mean, listen, I, 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 I think everybody knows my feelings about the free market, but I would say if I were the CEO of Apple or any major Fortune 500 company, I might go to both Better O'Rourke and Ted Cruz and say, "Oh, it's really easy for you to say this is bad That's because right. you have no skin in the game. Yeah. Your salary is set, and you are in the Senate. I actually have to have a revenue stream to make these things work, and so it's easy for you to say, how in the world would they?'" not care about China, would not want to offend China. Well, the reason you can say that is because you don't have any money in the game. Well, stop with your common sense. Yeah, sorry. Um, so, Scott, I assume you have nine. Whew, nine. We, really, we really went off for a while yeah, on that. Sorry yeah. about that. You should stick to sports. Yeah, sorry. So, still too soon. Um, <laughs> long day. Long, long coma. Day. Long day. Long day. So you have choices. It's like choose your own adventure. Buy, sell. We've got... No hashtags. Reviews, podcast reviews. We have Twitter questions. We have Instagram questions. We even have an email question. We have fun office pools. We have buy and sell. We have trivia. It's a lot to pack in. Buy and sell. Let's buy do it quick. Or sell. Let's yeah. do it quick. Buy or sell. All right. Uh, these are in no particular order. Guys, Scott just took out another notebook. That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. Make these uh, answers quick. I hope you're stuck in traffic. All right. Buy or sell. The AirPod Pros. Noise canceling. 
uh, ear pods or earbuds and also with transparency. I don't use the other ones because that makes me feel like a, like a cyborg from Star Trek, so I'm not going to use these. You mispronounced douche. <laughs> um, dude, I'm straight Android life. I don't care. I, I would say I was on, I had a conference call today. It was really a long day. And uh, there were like four or five people on it. And one person came into the call and, and immediately started going, I'm like, what? okay, dude, what, what? Take out the AirPods and actually use the phone so we can hear you. And the minute, like, oh, hey, hello, we can hear you again. They never work. AirPods are terrible. Just be a normal person. I don't have them either. I'm an Apple fanboy. I'm an Apple fanboy too, but I don't use them. I'll probably get them eventually. I'm not an Apple. Apple fanboy. is also getting progressively a little worse each year. It's a little frustrating. I'm getting my new MacBook Pro tomorrow. Yeah, that's. I can't wait for the dongles that I have to attach. See everything right now. I have it all here. Yeah. But I've heard that the yes. new one is. The new, yeah. Yeah. I'm getting yes. All right. Um, buy or sell SEC officiating in 2019. I mean, it's, it's seems never, like it's getting it's worse. It's never going to tweet, but sell. I, I'm hold officiating. Yeah, I guess is always holding, the thing we yeah, have. Yeah. All right, buy or sell. There will be one or more shocking upsets this season in college football, like we saw against uh, three Oklahoma. weeks in a row. Yeah. They've been three weeks in a row. Yeah, bye. Uh, I feel like this th- to have. Those are three huge upsets that happened. Those worth noting. Kansas State feels like less of an upset than those other two. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I Kansas State's better. They were at home. They're better than Illinois. Oklahoma's defense is yeah. Oklahoma's defense. Yeah. Also, Wisconsin might actually not be that great. That's another possibility to this too. Oh, I think they're really yeah. good. They're just not great. And but uh, yeah, I, I think that's. I don't see any more of those. I feel like they've they've wrung most of those out. If Minnesota beats Penn State this week, dot, dot, dot. next week, next week, next week, whenever. Yeah, because I think they're going to get. Oh, that's right. One two. Did you see yeah. row the boat guy? Made the, yeah. the, the, the he spent his press conference this week lobbying game day to come oh, to Minnesota. They've never been there. They've never been there. And, and, but it's also the same week as LSU Auburn. Guys, oh. if I could bottle the look on Scott's face over this. It's just, this is exactly the happy. road I want to go down to yeah. talk about. Well, it's funny. I'll say this. that like One of my issues with Dr. Dr. Boat, that he didn't go all those years. I, I have an issue with their helmets, their I gopher helmets. I, they still think he's Master Boat. Yeah, he's Master, master Boat. <laughs> he's a good fisherman. He's, he's Master <laughs> It seems weird that like oh. to spend that much time lobbying a television network to come and whatever it's a big deal it would be a big deal for them I get it but he went on like a 10 minute open infomercial to Can you try imagine to get the fruit you sent to John Hancock <laughs> yeah it was really quite they barely beat George Hancock. Southern yeah, yeah, yeah I know what you're talking about yeah, yeah. their helmets are Hoss terrible Hanson. they're Bill abominable Hanson. Bill, Han- Bill yeah. Hanson whatever alright uh, buy or sell oh this is actually a buy or sell from a listener Sea uh, Dog Knight says buy or sell TV timeouts are way too long uh-huh. Bye. 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 I agree with that. It's funny. We, uh, Chris and I went to a wedding in Western Illinois this past weekend. So we got to, we got to hear Brian Barnhart on the call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you saw uh, the, uh, the Purdue. Yeah, well, we listened on yeah. the radio. Uh, driving from Chicago to Polo, Illinois. Did you listen to Dan, Dan Deardorff on the Michigan call? Yes, we did. It was <laughs> glorious. We were so disappointed. So we got the XM package so we could listen to, specifically listen to that game. And we listened to Deardorff and, um, some other German yeah, name, right. uh, former lineman that plays for, for Michigan also. Uh, the funny part about that drive was it was just glorious in that it was, I don't remember what we're talking about now. I just got so excited about Deardorff. <laughs> what we're talking about. Well, that was from the shutdown full cast episode. Yeah. What were we talking about? We were talking about uh, TV timeouts. Oh, yeah, TV timeouts. Oh, yeah, we went in the wedding 
and LSU and Auburn were still playing. And then we came out of the wedding three hours and 45 minutes later, and they were still playing. And first thing my wife said, oh, CBS fucking game. Yeah. Sorry. This is exactly what she said. <laughs> okay. So sell? Yeah. Or buy. No, we we need to not take weeks off anymore. We're all fired up. I know. The show. I know. I got some shit to say. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you, you just make my job harder. That's all you do. Let's just get it all out. Let's just get it all out. Let's just, just cut it. Just Go curse ahead. like crazy. So should we do the Carlins? No. We, no. All right. I'll work them in. Buy or sell. Best uniform combo for Georgia is the white jersey and the red helmet, which so. they'll be wearing because they're the away team so. versus Florida. So. I think it looks great. So. All right. So what's yours? It's, the it's, red jerseys, home jerseys. I, just, I like the difference in color. They wore the white ones during like the Vanderbilt Rose Bowl, right? Didn't they wear the white yeah. ones? Yeah, they, they were, were white. Yeah, they yeah. were pretty. Yeah, they were thanks, pretty. Will. Buy or sell? I miss the bones or stars on the back of the helmet. <laughs> you said bone. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we got to get together every week. I really wish they had <laughs> stars. I miss the yeah. stars. I, the bones are cool. I like them. Yeah. Bye. All right, buy or sell, win versus Florida, and UGA wears black jerseys for a night game versus Missouri. Oh, God. <laughs> Scott. It's, Scott. Buy or sell. Let's have a talk. There, there's, <laughs> yeah, I think that— we have to mute that, I'll, too, because we have young people listening to this. At this particular time uh, in Georgia football history, it does not feel like a moment where they're going to be experimenting with uniforms. Well, that's why I put it in buy or sell, because we could just kind of touch on it and then move past it. This is what I'm most excited about. Buy or sell scorigami. I don't know what that is. Will, have you ever heard of scorigami? I also don't know what that is. I'm okay. Sorry. I just found out about this this weekend. It is a uh, website, and they also have a Twitter handle, at NFL underscore scorigami. That's spelled with an I. Uh, two I's. A, an I before the G, and then an I after the M. Anyway, uh, a guy named John Boy of SB Nation runs it. Yes. And no basically, what he does is they predict whether or not a game will be the first time it ends in a certain score ever. And so they give percentages. And last week they had a scoregami. San Francisco won 51 to 13. That's the 1,052nd unique final score in NFL history. Which, okay. to me, that is right up my alley uh, with kind of interesting facts and, and everything that goes with it. But they have an amazing video on their website that explains the, I guess, the history of Scorigami and how many times that certain final scores have happened. And they even go into the percentage of what if a game ended four to four in a tie, two safeties for each team. And it's basically impossible, but it's still fascinating to listen to. So anyway, what I wanted to do was encourage you to go to Scorigami.com or follow NFL underscore Scorigami. And then what I was going to do is ask you, two gentlemen, what are the top five most common final scores? Mm. This will lead into our trivia. This is a good question. Final scores in NFL history. Okay, I'm okay in with NFL this. NFL history? Okay. So, and I'll go ahead and give you the number. This, the number one score that has happened the most frequently has happened 264 times okay. out of the, what, 100 years of the NFL? Can okay. I do one? Yeah. 21 to 14. That is not one of the top ah, five. Okay. My first thought was 21-17. No. Close. 17-14. Uh, to 14. Yes, that is the third most common final score, and that's happened 195 times. 21-20. No. Number one is 20-17. Yeah. 
Oh, it's okay. Happened 264 I, I went the wrong times. Okay. Number two, 27 to 24. Okay. Happened 209 times. And then we will got number three. Uh, the fourth most common is 23 to 20. And then the fifth most common final score is 24 to 17. 164 times. It's interesting how close those are. Right? I know. Yeah. I know. But it's really fun to look at. You click on the... I've got it right here. I can't turn my computer around. Yeah, I can. Look. All you listeners are going to Are you still recording? Yeah. I just want to make sure. This is see, great. Like you can, oh, yeah, yeah. It, it does it in a grid structure, and so you can click on it and see like, oh, 22 to 12 has only happened one time in NFL history. That's amazing. I'm a huge fan of prime number scores, like 11 to 7 or call out Before we move on, call out one you know, score that you're very fond of, and we'll see if it's happened. 5 to 3. 5? I don't think Sylvester Croom coached that. It's happened one time. It happened uh, October seventeenth, nineteen twenty-five. The Frankfurt Yellow Jackets <laughs> won five to three over the New York Giants. Wasn't that in the replacements? Tony, what's your score? What's um, your? I don't know. Yeah, let's see. Let's let's start. Let's make one up here. Um, ba, ba, ba. 37, 31. 37, 31 is a lot. It's happened. 26 times. The last time it happened was this year, the playoff game. New England won 37 to 31 over Kansas City. Huh. Interesting. So it's really, uh, the first time it happened was 1951. So it's really an interesting thing. And the fact that all of these scores have happened and you get one a couple times. So which scores, which potentially could happen, are still blank? Very good question. There has never been a final score, and this baffles me, 14 to 8. Because think about it, the NFL didn't have the two-point until 94, which they explain in the video. So that's a a score that hasn't happened. Another final score, just to think about it, is 9 to 8 has never happened. And I guess you would think that if it's a low-scoring game, you're not going for two. Yeah, why would you? Yeah, yeah, you just kick the extra point because a field goal wins either way. 12 to 11 has never happened. 12 to 5, 12 to 4. Yeah, you know, so you can you can kind of kill a good two three hours on this thing because I already have. <laughs> I think that we should. Let's spend the next two or three hours. We right. should. Let's. We are now a scoregami. We are now off the rails, but we're going to try to get it back on trivia. Georgia, Florida trivia. When was the stadium that they play in built? Ninety-five to six. Yeah, uh, very funny. When was it originally built? Thirty-four. Close, but incorrect. Thirty-six. Twenty-seven. Nineteen twenty-seven. Established in 2009, the 10-foot-tall Okefenokee Oki, 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 the thank you, is the trophy that is given to the winning team. It's made from a cypress tree from the Okefenokee Swamp. Where is it located on campus when Georgia wins it? I know. So. I don't, so go. Uh, Tate Center, between the, uh, the walkway between the Miller Learning Center and Tate Center. Got it. The Georgia-Florida Hall of Fame was established in 1996. They induct two Gators. Is it called Georgia-Florida Hall of Fame, by the way? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, just make it sure. Yeah. They induct two Gators and two Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, I put it that way. I don't it's, know. That's what I'm asking. I didn't, I didn't read. I didn't read that. I, I just glossed over it. You know, the website is flgajax.com. Yeah. But if you type in G-A-F-L-Jax, it redirects to F-L-G-A. Anyway... <laughs> I tried that too. I was like, "This isn't fair." Uh, who says? Who 
says that the South is in tribal? <laughs> All right, so where was I? Um, who says that? Nobody. Nobody says that. <laughs> they induct two Gators and two Bulldogs who had great records or outstanding highlights, memories, individual efforts during the game. In 1996, who were the first four inducted from each school? 96. First four. 96, okay. I'll throw in a Georgia guess and a Florida guess. Okay. okay. Kerwin Bell. That's correct. Lindsey Scott. Nope. Oh, okay. Oh, I should have gone. 96. Dumb. Uh, Herschel Walker. Yes. Danny Werfel. Nope. Stample and Spurrier. Spurrier, yes. Stample's not in that? Mm-hmm. He, well, is, he, wasn't, he wasn't in that year. I didn't look all the other years. He is the face of, of, of Steve Spurrier's nightmares to this day. All right, so you got, um, we got one, two, three, four, five more. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm staying Five more. I'm in trouble. This is three, three, oh, yeah, okay. Three All Bulldogs right. and two Gators. I'll go ahead and tell you. One of the Gators is uh, Ray Graves. Never heard of him. Okay, yeah. Shane Matthews. Oh, God. <laughs> Vince Dooley. Oh. Buck like, Ballou. Yeah. I was going to say Ballou was my next guess. And uh, Frank Sinkwich. Yeah, Sinkwich. For the record, Lindsey Scott was uh, inducted in 97. Okay. Who is being inducted this year? No idea. For Georgia, it's Rennie Curran and Jarvis Jones. <gasps> nice. And for Florida, Don't Brad, Brad Culpepper and Brandon Spikes. Don't care. All right. As far as I could find, the stadium that Georgia-Florida has played in has had like six different names. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me what those names are? Gator Bowl. That was the name from 1995 to 1996. I'm sorry, I was reading it backwards. That was the name from 1948 to 1993. Okay. All Tell. All Tell was the name from 1997 to 2006. I checked. That's not even a, their website doesn't even go anywhere anymore. Did you see that story about the New Mexico Bowl, by the way? Uh-uh. Yeah, no, no, yeah, yes. That is an Banner amazing Society. story. So basically, here's the story about the New Mexico Bowl. The New Mexico Bowl is, is the New Mexico Bowl, and they had like, I forget the name of the company. Gildan. What's that? Used to be Gildan. Gildan. Basically, the New Mexico Bowl had this new sponsor, and a reporter <laughs> looked into it and realized that the sponsor was, in fact, not a real company, and, like, in fact, did not exist <laughs> at all. It wasn't even a porn film company. It was, like, not... It was, like, they, he tracked it all the way down and, like, literally could not find... It tracked it down to, like, a P.O. box and, like, a strip mall. Sure, it's not Walter White that owns it? <laughs> it was really amazing. It's just an incredible story. Dude, if they bring on Banner Society, I might go to the New Mexico Spence Mr. Hall wrote a, an incredible piece about he this today did. that uh, was very enjoyable. So Tia Bankfield. Uh, Tia yeah. Kraftfield. Tia Bank. Tia Bank. Yeah, that's the current. Um, Everbank. Everbank was from 2010 to 2018. And then um, it's been named Jacksonville Municipal Stadium yeah, twice, GMS. 95 to 96, and then, I don't know, 2007 to 2010. It was Fairfield Stadium originally. Okay. We're, We're now there. on page two. <laughs> We're almost there. How many times has Georgia won versus Florida since 1990? Since 1990? Yeah. One. In what years? 97. What years or how many times? How many? 97. Well, that's correct. 05? Nope. 04? Yes. Um, seven? Yes. We win in 10? Nope. Uh, 12? Yes. Not 15. 14? Nope. Was it 13? Oh, was that that game? 13. 13. Definitely not 16. 17 and 18. You're missing one. So there were eight times. Three? They won in 2011. 11, okay. Yeah. When was the last time Georgia, Florida was played at night? Uh, that would have been, hold on. Was that 97? 
Mm-mm. Since it's been since then. Ninety-seven was three thirty. I was at that game. Um, I'm seeing other already. Was the three or uh, the five game or the seven game? They lost the game. Remember oh, you mentioned Terrence remember. Edwards earlier? Oh gosh, yes. It was 2002. Two. The only game Georgia lost that year, they lost 20 to 13. Yeah. Do you think there'll be a time where it's not 3:30 again? It's hard to imagine. It was a disaster. Uh, yeah, Georgia and Florida both had to fall off. Like uh, Alabama, Tennessee used to be right, almost right, 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 deadlocked, and Tennessee got so bad that right, it's not right, anymore. Right. Uh, it has to be that. But and this weekend, frankly, it's pretty cleared out for Georgia, Florida to be. Yeah, I mean, the it, premier game. I mean, it was announced. In, yeah, like, it, like, I mean, like yeah. CBS picks that at the right, beginning right, of the season. Right, right, right. Okay, so we're gonna go straight into Twitter questions. This one comes from Parrish Walton. Uh, he asks, over, under, swift, rushing yards, 100. I'll go over. I will go under, but just because I think he'll have, if it, they'll have a long pass play. From passing yards, 240. Under. Under. Mm-hmm. Florida offensive points, 20. Under. Under. Hot rod field goal attempts, two and a half. <sighs> under. Over. And Trask, passing yards, 250. Under. Under. Okay. This one comes from Rhino Redhawk. I like how he phrased this one. He says, gentlemen, and Scott, in parentheses, <laughs> thanks for including me, Rhino. Promise <laughs> <laughs> out of baseball season, so whatever you think. Where is your favorite place to stay when traveling to the world's largest outdoor cocktail party? Do you prefer the Amelia St. Simon's accommodations despite the long ride on game day or prefer something closer in Ponte Vedra or Jacksonville Beach? I have no idea why you would say gentlemen and Scott. I've never been. I've literally never been to this game. I'm the worst possible person to ask this question. Ask Scott this question. He's gone to the game. It's a fair, I, it's a fair question. I mean, he doesn't like baseball. I have other than uh, that. as many times I've been to Georgia, Florida. I've stayed in Jacksonville exactly once. I stayed in a Apartment of a Jacksonville University, uh, a friend of a fraternity brother of mine that is at Jacksonville University. Every other time, I've stayed at my parents' house in South Georgia. I've stayed in a beach house on Ponte Vedra Beach. That was pretty awesome because we were in a beach house. Um, didn't really like the drive because it was like another forty-five minutes past Jacksonville. Yeah, I've also stayed in St. Simons. It's pretty nice, and I've also stayed in Brunswick, the Hampton Inn, with my two kids, and that was my most favorite. Time right when I was ball. down there, so I would I would probably lean towards the Golden Isles just because you're a Georgia fan. But thanks for the question. Thanks for including me too. Uh, this is from at uh, Clem's tweets. Thoughts on listening to the radio broadcast while at a sporting event? <laughs> <laughs> I I used to be a big fan of that. I'm not as much anymore. It has nothing to do with Munson. It's just as much as like it it prevents me from being part of the crowd in a weird way. I agree. And you see less and less of it. Yeah, I did this when I was a kid, and I loved it at Cardinals games. But now, it, you're right, it does. A, I, yeah, when you're talking to your friends behind thing. you. You're yeah. analyzing things. Yeah, and, yeah, I feel like. And, and honestly, like now, I feel like the sports experience can be more personalized mm-hmm. than it used to be. And in a certain way, I actually don't necessarily need another person to filter this game for me while I'm here. Look, I get it. If that's what you like to do, it's perfect. There's nothing fine. wrong with it. Of course not. It's just that... Part of going to a a, 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 fo- a football game, a baseball in game, particular a football game, football game yeah. in particular football, but even it's just the shared experience yeah. with the other fans, yeah. and you lose that if you're listening to as good as Scott Howard is, you lose that if you're listening to Scott Howard. But if you do choose to go that route, you have to wear the foam headphones and have a little Walkman, like old school 1980s version. <laughs> you gotta have you gotta go Bartman. 
Yeah. You got to go to the barman. Exactly. All right. This one comes from at dogs underscore luck, Eli Brown. I'm uneasy about the asymmetric importance of this game has for both teams. The Florida loss is in line with preseason expectations, and Florida fans will see this as a stepping stone. A Georgia loss will be viewed as program-defining. I'm channeling my inner Munson, but please take me off the ledge. Wow, it's like you literally exactly what we talked about. I think think Will's covered this. Yes, thanks for the question. Wow, you are in Will's head. You and Will should hang out with Nick uh, Fromm when he invites him over. Sorry, Nick. I really didn't mean to say anything. (laughs) You're still beautiful. All right, this comes from A. Drew 3. Uh, hearing Georgia had a serious plan to change up the offensive play calling against Kentucky, but the weather changed those plans. What sort of play calling do you expect Saturday? More creative or more the same? Also love the podcast. And as always, go dogs. I'm slinging around the yard. I don't know. I mean, I think it's going to be more of the same. I have to tell you. Yeah, it's, it's hard. To, it's hard to see a world where it won't be. Right. Yeah. I mean, if they, I don't know, we'll see. All right. So this comes from Instagram. This is a psycho underscore photography. Awesome handle. Might be late to the party, but what are you feeling on all the home and home versus staying in Jacksonville? Mm. They got a deal until 2023 with the option for two more years. I'll give you my opinion. Okay. Athens can't handle the crowd. They don't have the parking structure for the RVs alone that could potentially come to the game. There are people already parked at RV City right now in Jacksonville. They open the gates today. Leave the game alone. Jacksonville is a great trip, and I miss going. As soon as I can possibly, in two years, once my toddler gets a little older, I will go back. So much fun down there. I can't speak to the RV thing because, again, I've not been to the game. I think Athens can probably handle a lot of things when it comes to this. Uh, But I will say, uh, if I may pivot uh, a little bit, one thing I thought was kind of amusing was actually Kirby Smart's response to this. It was a very passive-aggressive response. Amanda Mole pointed this out on Twitter, that his response was, Hey, listen, when the deal was announced, because he famously does not, he wants the home and home. He feels like it's bad for recruiting. We've all discussed that. He said, if that's what they want, I'm a team player. Now, I'm going to guess that the city of Jacksonville did not put that quote in the press release. Like, clearly, it's, not, the, it's not on their website. And the fact that it's only 2023, like, that's not, like, there are football games scheduled after all three of us are dead. 33. So, like, the idea that, like, they've extended it to a period that is actually not very far from now at all. Uh, I had a hard time getting too fired up about this news because uh, to me, the fact that it was only 2023 is actually something that puts the game more in peril for Jacksonville than necessarily something that should be reinsuring. You're going with us one of these years for, oh, I gotta go. don't go down there. I got to go. I'm a fan of the game down there. Like I said, at the beginning of the season when we talked about this, that, at Georgia's going to get the extension because the money makes sense, and then they're going to request allowing at least one, uh, allowing teams that are home, quote unquote, home teams to host recruits. Exactly what happened. I think that probably gets done. Look, the SEC is the highlight of the college football world, despite game day being at SMU Memphis that weekend. The SEC is the highlight of the college football world on November 2nd because of Georgia, Florida. It's worth it to the conference to have this game in Jacksonville. It's worth it to Georgia to have this game in Jacksonville monetarily. I don't necessarily disagree with all the people who think that it, we lose out somehow because the game's in the state of Florida. I think it stays in Jacksonville long term. Well, if you think about it, for the past 16 years, it's been penciled in at CBS 330. Yeah. It wouldn't be that way if it were home and home. Right. 
This question, it's not really a question, it's just a comment, but still, I'll read it. It's from 2K12 Coyote. He's the guy that sent us a picture yeah, of his, picture, uh, yeah. like, I hate, I'm going to mess this up, like a Trans Am or Camaro. He lives up in Pennsylvania? Pennsylvania. I think so. Anyway, he's a big dog fan, so I appreciate that. He says, the attitude of the team and how they come out of the gate. Kirby said before the Irish game that it won't be won in the first quarter. Not sure I agree with that. We need them to set the tone early and decisively. Hashtag go dogs. So I agree with that. And Off the we're la- ahead of the end. The la- <laughs> yeah, right. The last one comes from Elko Dog. I think we met him. Yeah, I met him at uh, SEC Nation. So uh, shout out to Elko Dog. Would a loss to Florida be a huge step back in the Kirby era or just a bump in the road and a self-reflection for him and his staff? I don't think the South Carolina loss is that detrimental, but if you start losing to Florida for the same reasons, then we have a problem. Love the podcast. Go dogs. I mean, I think we covered that. Mm -hmm. Um, Although it's impossible to say whether it is a bump in the road or a long-term big deal until we know what happens a year from now or two years from now. Yes. Uh, but I will also say that you lose this game, you're probably not making the SEC championship game. You are not making and, it. Uh, and then you have all that frustration heading into, what, week three next year when they yeah. play at Alabama? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the scary part. But how does that translate? I mean, you lose, and then you, then you get whooped by Alabama next year if you don't have Nick Fromm, for example. I mean, or, whatever. Maybe the way Nick Fromm is playing now. Sorry, uh, sorry, I did it again, buddy. It's Jake. Uh, but the way the way the way that uh, Fromm is playing now, he's not going pro. But um, uh, certainly, if you don't make the SEC championship, SEC championship game this year, and then uh, lose Alabama in week three, Ooh. look out. Ooh. Not great. All right. Finally, I'm going to read um, a portion of an email from Timothy Watts. He sent us an email. Sent us like four questions, and he he said he understands if he we can't get to all of it. We really can't because we're desperately late on time. We went we got long today. So. But um, one of the questions he asked, he said the comparison between Coach Smart and Coach Rick seems quantitatively similar. R- records towards the beginning and middle and ending tenures. Ending nothing. I think he meant the fourth year, third year, whatever. Uh, however, I feel much more confident in Kirby's ability to win it all. Considering the past two games, I'm curious if one or more of you still share Tony's previously held view of Coach Smart unfolding the playbook as necessary. For the record, I still believe in Coach and will continue to do so even if we lose this game, though that would almost certainly end our postseason aspirations. Since you name-checked me, I'll start. Um, I, I think the biggest thing to look for is that... When you look at what you think Smart wants to do vis-a-vis what Rick wants to do, is that both of them have raised the elevation, raised where the program is, right? The difference between, marginally between where Donnan was to where Rick was, it was easier to get there. To get from where Rick was to where Smart is, less marginally easy. Now, does that mean that we won't look back two, four, six, eight years from now like, well, we were all wrong about that? No, I I can't say that. Do I believe that we probably will? Yeah. Uh, I think smart is a different difference in quality and character than what Rick was. And and I say that with all love to Coach Mark Rick because I frankly thought he was going to bring a national championship to Georgia um, up to a a point. I'm probably – six, seven years ago. But, you know, I, I could look back in 2026 and like, yeah, thought the same thing about Kirby Smart. 
So it's hard to say today, sitting here in October of 2019, 100% that I agree with the sentiment that Smart is ahead of Rick. But the the reality is, it's like, if you're going to be objective about it, yeah, the numbers are the same, but the way we look, what we've accomplished, and the ability of this the ability of this coaching staff to elevate the team beyond their circumstance is certainly higher. I mean, we'll see. He has one more question. One of the, one of the other questions I'm going to choose, this is a little bit off topic, but I thought it was interesting. He says, uh, finally, best Athens neighborhoods and why proximity to watering holes and food being big factors. I don't know if he's thinking of moving here. Um, but I think will would probably say exactly what I think he would say, which I would make the argument for five points. Yeah. Live beside Will. Yeah, live, please. I'm, I'm, there's a college kids that just moved in down the road, and they're very loud. So please take their place. Uh, they have a dog. If you, if you, you should never have a dog in college. Can we all agree that you should not have a dog in college? I didn't have a dog, but I enjoyed my friends that had a dog. It's kind of like when you can... Yeah, of course. That's the best way to have a dog. It's the best dog to have. But yeah. like if your friend... like I hope your friend's... Like dogs are a lot of work, and college students are not always the most responsible people. And college students are a lot of work. Yes, college students are also a lot of work. So anyway, yeah, five point five points. I would say that Normal Town is a place I probably like more in spirit than in practice. I think um, that's right. Would probably be the best way to put it. I, I support it intellectually and are creatively, but uh, it's also probably not entirely my bag. I mean, I lived on the east side of Athens for twelve years and loved it. Winterville, Winterville, he signs behind that. Yeah, each family, Winterville. All right, and then he finishes saying, "Thanks again for all." This kind of leads into our podcast reviews because he kind of leaves us a mini review right here. He says, "Thanks again for all the work and time y'all put into the show. It makes home feel a little bit closer from out here in California." I've directed a few people y'all's way and will continue to do so. The only suggestion, thanks, man. The only suggestion I would offer is that I do find the time that y'all spend discussing plays and formations informative. And I feel like I would be a better informed fan if you could find a little bit more time to talk about them. Wouldn't change a thing other than that. Still looking to buy y'all that bourbon when my wife and I make it through. And still not going to be makers. Ha ha. Go dogs forever and ever. Amen. Thank you. We'll take the bourbon and we're making the plays up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we got uh, about four new podcast reviews. So I want to thank. Uh, we're up to 189 reviews. Um, total, not tonight. We're not going over 189 tonight. <laughs> if there were a night, though. If there were a night, this would be it. Um, so I think what we've got, yeah, we've got four here. So I'm going to start with uh, the, t- the the author of this um, went with Light the Darkness. That is his author name. He gave us a five-star review. Says the title of his therapy dogs. Hey, gentlemen, needed some therapy following UGG, the South Carolina game, and came across your episode. Oh, I read that last week, didn't I? Yeah. Episode 200 ish. Okay. Sorry. Thanks for the shout out again. All right. These, the, Apple doesn't put these in order sometimes. Anyway, here's another one. Oh, Jake this, is from, you. this is from Mass Dog 11. Title of his very solid. Give us a four star. Y'all do a great job. Don't know the entire history, but it feels like a bunch of grad school buds that love Georgia football and <laughs> college sports in general, sitting around a virtual fire pit and sipping on some good whiskey, talking ball. What's not to like? Will. Big win for the Illini. Oh, yeah. We have I had Illini and I. Two games, uh, two wins to go. I'll tell you what's not to oh, like. Try it. Mass Dog, that was a pretty good review. It seems like you're happy and you gave us a four star. Whatever. So, anyway, Thank you. We, we, we're not going to quibble, although we just did. You can always change those. Can you change it? Yeah, you can. 
Um, all right, so here's one from Charlie, 3446. He gave us a five-star review. <laughs> Probably my kid. Helping me stay sane in, and it cut it off, either Carolina or California. I don't know. In the Call. land, oh, Chicago. It's Chicago. Mm-hmm. In the land of no college football, having the show to listen to gets me through my drive home. The it last show broke my heart, by the way. Well, no, no Northwestern. Oh, yeah, that's true. Northwestern is Chicago's seventh or eighth Big Ten team. The last show was a bonus since I got to hear about the Dogs' lackluster performance against Kentucky and about my high school alma mater, Go Warriors. As an alumni that lived through the Jim Donnan and Ray Goff years, I have seen the bad times. The South Carolina loss brought back those memories, but your humor helps. My kid is a Georgia freshman, and that game let him get a feeling for how we older Georgia fans felt for years. Here's to that being the last time. Keep up the great work, but tell Will to slow down his talking when he gets excited. Even a transplanted Southerner can't keep up with him some days. (laughs) Have a bourbon for me. Go dogs. Obviously, he does not live at Barrington or wherever. (laughs) All right. So um, this is the last one. It's from uh, G-S-U-D-E-L-T. I guess he went with some of Oh, G-S-U Delta. Maybe it's a Georgia Southern University Delta Delta something. Georgia Southern? George Southern's got App State this week. Or George State dealt. Maybe. That's probably them because he doesn't say G-A-T-A in the phrase they stole from Georgia. All right. It's a five-star review. Ultimate UGA podcast. Thanks, guys, for putting together the best Georgia football podcast. I always appreciate you discussing the Georgia program from a 30,000-foot view. The game breakdowns from the X's and O's perspective and then getting us fired up weekly by using the unbridled homer view of each game. The combination of Scott, Tony, and Will make this the triple threat an ultimate UGA podcast. Thanks, guys, and go dogs. Signed, Jake. Thanks, Jake. That's awesome. I'm exhausted. What's next? Long show. We were fun all office. fired up. Yeah, we we still have fun office pools, which we got to get through. I wrote down the leaders, so I wouldn't have to struggle at finding them. Would you like to know? I want to know who's sixth. <laughs> Tony, you are sixth. <laughs> Tony. You have 405 points. You are only six points off the season lead. Which is whom? Which is who? doggone dog. Who? who? It's who. It's who? who? It's the nominative. Sometimes it's nominative who. It's not who. It's not enough kids. Doggone dog at 411 points. Great name. Second place is PA Illini dog. Wow. That's Will's burner fun yeah. office bulls account. Probably. I would not need a burner account to have Illini in there. Uh, Will is 30th with 390 points. And then I'm, I have 320 points. I'm ranked 135th. However, I am ahead of the likes of Jim Wood, Adam Powell, who's a frequent tweeter, Mark Rick's bookie. I picked that because <laughs> I liked his name. So, uh, and then um, there's another notation down here, scribbled in like an eighth grader handwriting. Not since 1995-69, Mattoon Green Wave 66. I don't know what that means. It just means something. I don't know what that means. So, one quick thing about the Illini. Mm-hmm. They so have two winnable games. They have left two winnable games. A, the, the, a bowl game. They've got. Here's my favorite. I don't, I don't know if this is on. Is this game on the front office bowls? This week, no. So I didn't think so. And you know, because this Illinois is an amazing. Illinois thing. is like a 24 point favorite. Illinois is a. They started as a 20 point favorite. They are now a 19 point favorite. Okay. Illinois is a 19 point favorite this week over another Big Ten. Over team. another big. Well, I mean, quote Big Ten team. It's crazy. Let's also note, by the way, Rutgers was at home. Last week against Liberty, and was the underdog. 
which is insane. They did actually win. So, uh, uh, but yeah, Illinois uh, with the, with the win over Purdue last week, uh, they will have five wins if they beat Rutgers this week. They, their other three games are at Michigan State, at Iowa, and home against. Go Cubs. Northwestern. So all you need to a do... A very bad Northwestern team. Yes. A very bad Northwestern team, but, you know, some very bad Illinois teams have almost beaten... North- there was, it was four years ago that Illinois stopped Northwestern from going to a bowl game, which was very pleasant. So I'm, I'm thinking seven and five. I don't think they'll win that Michigan State. Michigan State's not good. I still don't quite trust. But it's exciting. It's, listen, Lovey Smith is an awesome guy who deserves this. So, and you're uh, going to see the, um, the Instagram photo that we put up. Will is wearing his Illini vest. Mm-hmm. It's uh, very uh, striking and with the more blue than orange, which is appreciated. Yes. Uh, and then Tony and I are wearing wigs the entire podcast. <laughs> Tony has a nice blonde weave, and mm-hmm. I have my Bob Ross Halloween outfit on from uh, last weekend at my Halloween party. It just stock. occurred to me that you guys were wearing wigs. I had not noticed until yeah. this point. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's Halloween. Because of my hairs. So, yeah, you'll, you'll have to go check out our Instagram page at WSLS Podcast on Instagram. And tell us what you think of our picture. All right, now to the picks. The first game is Virginia, or as when I was a five-year-old, I said Virginia. Um, Virginia (laughs) at North Carolina. UVA gets back on the winning path here. Give me UVA. No, I'm all about, I like these old coaches coming back and doing good stuff. George Welsh is coaching Virginia? No, no, I'm talking about Oh, you meant Mac Brown. Yeah, that's that's why I picked him. He meant Mac Brown. George Wells coached against Jim Donnan in his last game. A thousand years ago. Yeah. North Carolina. I'm going to go with Virginia. They're going to be the seventh different team to win the Coastal or Atlantic, whichever division they're in. It's hard to say. Okay. Uh, number nine, Utah. Seven and one travels to Jacob Eason's country. Purple Cutler. <sighs> it's hard. Oh, Power. I think Washington pulls off the upset here. I actually agree. I feel like Eason, he actually looked really, he's like looked pretty good last oh, couple of He looked of games. good against Oregon. Yeah, so I feel like uh, uh, I feel like he has his go big game uh, in uh, yeah. Washington Woods. Yep. I'm going to go with the Huskies as well. I don't think anybody cares what I pick. I'm like 130-something. Don't do what I do. All right, uh, Virginia Tech, who is kind of resurrected from mm-hmm. that horrible Duke loss. They are 5-2. and two. They're going to Notre Dame, who is also 5-2. and two. So I watched a lot of this Michigan Notre Dame game, and man, did if it rains, I'm picking Virginia Tech because Brian Kelly can't coach in the rain. <laughs> I mean, three games now he's coached in monsoons. He's called like it was beautiful weather. Um, look, checking the weather in the South Bend, it's going to be nice. So I'm picking Notre Dame. I'm also picking Notre Dame. Did you hear he was asked before the game if he ever if he'd ever played in weather like that, and he had no answer. Yeah, he just stared. He at him. said that he didn't, he couldn't think of anything. I mean, he, do you not remember Clemson in 2015, mm-hmm. which was yeah. the same night that the Georgia, famous monsoon, or the yeah. NC State game where it was literally in a hurricane, <laughs> right? Where they should have canceled the game, like that was the yeah. like they should cancel that game. It was a hurricane. Resurging Oregon, seven and one, ranked number seven, uh, travels to uh, mediocre Southern Cal. Yeah, uh, Stu Mandel made a good case this week for Oregon still being in the national championship mm-hmm. case. I thought I that, was a, that was a good piece. I uh, I think Southern Cal's a little bit better than people think, but I think Oregon's got it going right now. I think Oregon's got it. I don't think Clay, any, there's any way Clay Helton says his job this this, sem- uh, this semester. This season, he still wins this game. Ooh, wow. 
And the game that game day is traveling to, they're going to set up on Beale Street right there with all the lights behind it. Um, SMU, or as my kids call it, SMU, uh, travels to Memphis, uh, number 15 versus number 24. And I get it. Look, you shouldn't care that they didn't go to Georgia, Florida. They were there last year. They've already been to two Florida games this year, and they were at yeah, Notre this Dame. This is a better game for them. Let them have fun yeah, with it. My daughter Maggie was really fired up about this, and I just, I just told her to be chill. Yeah. My heart wants to pick Memphis because I thought Memphis would be the group of six representative, but SMU has looked really, really good. I just don't think Memphis can keep up with their speed. I'm taking Memphis. I'm going to take the Pony Express. It's good to have him back. Has Craig James killed a hooker this week? He killed several hookers back in college. You know, I mute that too. Because it's allegedly. That's like a hooker. Whole, I, he, no, it's not even allegedly. It didn't actually happen. It's just a yeah, thing that people put online. He to, didn't uh, kill hookers. Except he did. Killed a hooker. <laughs> All right. Uh, UAB, the Jeremy Pruitt's Tennessee team. <laughs> Tennessee's going to win this, this What's but the line it on would be funny. The line is 10 and a half, Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee's going to win, but it would be funny if they uh, UAB is 6-1, and one, although they've, they've played no one. I mean, Tennessee hadn't beat anybody except for South Carolina. Okay, give me Tennessee's damn. Yes. Yeah, I think, I think Tennessee's going to win this. All right, now we're uh, in the SEC. <laughs> Mississippi, <laughs> Mississippi at Jordan Hare. Um, yeah, I, I got to take Auburn. Yeah, I got to take Auburn too. So it's a it's a kind of a down week. It's a weird game. Yeah, I mean, where are we? Yeah, Mississippi State. Gosh, I mean, somebody's got to win. Somebody's got to lose. Somebody's got to win this Arky, game right? at Arkansas. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to take Mississippi State. Arkansas is a disaster. Yeah. Really it's, funny. It's, it's amazing how, like, Moorhead is all, already, like, linked with, like, potential. Yeah. Like, Rutgers. Rutgers is, like, a potential job for him, which would be kind of amazing. He uh, might want to get out while they're getting Yeah, good. I think that's the idea. I don't know that Rutgers is getting good. That's the old Josh well, Pastner, right, to, yeah. to get out before things. Uh, uh, but I, I will take Mississippi State. I was with, uh, at that Halloween party where I was dressed like Bob Ross, I was with a couple of Mississippi State fans that live locally, and they were adamant about that it was just – you know, square peg, round hole. Yeah, with uh, more head. So, all right, Vanderbilt at South Carolina. Interesting stat: South Carolina has won ten in a row over Vanderbilt. So, when I put this game on there, I was looking at South Carolina just falling apart the past two games. It's hard. It's hard to see Vandy win this football game for me. I think South Carolina wins it. I think this is also a game that we'll look at late. Like, what is going on over there? Carolina I'm taking Vanderbilt. I'm taking Vanderbilt. I like the idea of South Carolina falling, not having won since Georgia. I like it. And then you have Georgia versus Florida. Georgia's the away team. Georgia's ranked number eight. Georgia is a four and a half point favorite. They, I think the line opened to six and a half, so it's been it, bet up on the Florida yeah, side. Yeah, it, it was six and a half, went down to three and a half. The last line I saw was back six and a half. I know it's four and a half there. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good number, four and a half, because these games historically have been close, uh, been nail biters. You know, what the weird thing is, it usually tips on special teams. Uh, the game that I was at uh, when it was like 42 degrees and windy in 2014 when Florida had 359 yards rushing, it tipped in the second quarter because George scored first in that game. It tipped on a, on a fake field goal. Go figure. We fell. We fell victim to a fake. Uh, I think it was Trey Burton 
uh, maybe not. Anyway, uh, this game is going to be determined with special teams. People always talk about the wind. I guess the way the the stadium faces, it it is windy in there, so it's never a a sure thing when it comes to field goals or punting. Um, So I could see maybe a muff punt by one of the teams, maybe a couple of field goal tries. I do think that the field goal tries will go over, like on what Parrish had asked by uh, by Rodrigo, probably over two and a half. Um, but I'm going to look for a tough four-quarter game, probably some frustration. I do think that Georgia ends up uh, kind of coming up with some plays, maybe drawing them up in the dirt even, or it might seem that way. Uh, but Georgia comes out victorious on what was that most common score? Oh, yeah, it was 20 to 17, the most common score, Gami score in NFL. I think Georgia wins 20 to 17. Um. I have many concerns. I have many concerns. Uh, to me, this this feels it's too strong to say it's a referendum game. But going in, Georgia has more talent. Georgia should be ab- above Florida in every sort of way. I don't think it's an accident that number's gone down. Uh, I suspect we have not. We're recording this a little early before a lot of people have made their expert picks for the week. You're going to see a lot of Florida picks this week. You're going to see a lot of them. And um, with reason, I think that is where I keep coming around to is I do not think Jake slash Nick from has an is going to play. This feels like a game where he plays well. And that, to me, generally speaking, save for the occasional national championship game or SEC championship game or so, generally speaking, when he plays well, they win. And he is due to play well. Uh, If they lose this game, it means that he didn't. And there's all sorts of problems. Um, I think he's the difference. I think Georgia has, if he's not the poor man's Jake Fromm, has enough of a quarterback advantage to win. But... I'm just putting it on the record. I am very concerned. Um, I think Georgia wins 21-17. This is probably a game where no one's happy. The way when you sit down and look at advanced stats, or even regular stats, Scott alluded to him earlier, Georgia can win this football game run the football, which means we're going to run the football a lot. It'd be shocking to love David Green with that flea flicker pass at the beginning of whatever game that was. But was that Boise State or whoever it was? Oh, David Green flea flicker. Oh, oh I mean Oklahoma the hidden State. ball. Yeah, hidden ball against Oklahoma State, right? Sure. Whoever it was. Um, it was Joe Cox. Somebody's, somebody's yelling at their radio right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, Vanderbilt. That's, coming out that way would be that surprising. I mean, look, George is going to give us some points. Um, Pitts is that we haven't even mentioned him. He's a tight end, mm-hmm. and Georgia has also been uh, probably overly reliant on some players that are susceptible to double moves. We're getting Ladarius Tony back. Uh, Kadarius Tony, Kadarius Tony back for Florida is a big deal. Look, everybody's like Lomichael Piran. Lomichael Piran. I mean, could he go off? Sure, he could, but he probably won't. I think eventually Georgia will wear Florida down. I think this game remains relatively close, and I'm with y'all. I mean, 23-13 sounds right. 23-17 also doesn't scare me, but I'll sell on 24-13. Georgia win. We'll see. We may have an interesting post-game show uh, if things uh, go wrong. Not live, though. We'll just do it over the phone. 
Yeah. Uh, we'll, yeah. Next we'll mail it in. We'll, yeah. If they lose, if they lose. Oh my gosh. We'll just record into so our sick. iPhones and yeah. just send it to each other. You, Primal screams. You, you record in your iPhone. Um, all right, everyone. Whew. I think we had a lot to get out of the show. Uh, so we'll see how it goes next time. But otherwise. Yeah, the, the Nick, Nick from for Heisman t-shirt will be out next week. <laughs> it's a long day, guys. It's a long day. Stay uh, supports, Will. Yeah, I will. I'm trying. Go dogs. Go dogs. And thanks so much for listening. And a big shout out to all of you, our listeners, for helping to provide us such good podcast content. We greatly appreciate all of your interactions on Twitter, via questions, and the amazing podcast reviews via Apple Podcasts. We're sitting at 189 reviews. Let's try to get that on up to 200. And make sure to check out our half-hearted attempt at a Halloween podcast photo on our Instagram page and give us a follow over there. Our handle on Twitter and Instagram is the same, at WSLS Podcast. And we'll be back on Sunday with our post-game show. Hopefully, it'll be one of excitement and anticipation for what the dogs will need to do to lock up the SEC East and get back into the playoff picture. So safe travels to all of y'all heading down to the St. Simons and Jacksonville area. Send us some tweets of your tailgate setups and tag us in your Instagram photos so we can repost some of those on our own social media accounts. We'll see you on campus next week for a night game versus Missouri. And as always, go dogs. Go dogs.